All right, good morning, everybody. This, this thing is very high-tech, and I'm a low-tech person. <laughs> Am I on up there, Robbie? I'm good? Okay, we're good. We got thumbs up. All right. Uh, you know, as I'm standing before you guys, I, I couldn't help think of a commercial. Uh, th- this is several years back. Uh, and this commercial, uh, it, it kind of opens up where uh, you see this nuclear power plant and uh, it, it kind of zooms in, and there's this control room, and scientists are, are frantically trying to uh, stop this meltdown of the, of the core of this nuclear power plant. So there's all alarms and bells going off, and uh, this, this guy walks in. He's holding a cup of coffee and a donut, and he's saying, yeah, you need to turn this dial here, and uh, don't forget to activate the hydrogen recombiners, and, and, uh, you know, and so everybody's kind of doing what he's telling them to do. And uh, uh, lo and behold, this, uh, this uh, core starts to cool down. And the alarms go off, and everybody's cheering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's jumping up and down, and everybody's hugging each other. And this one scientist is hugging this guy, you know, with the donut and the coffee in his hand. He says, wow, you were great. And, you know, are you new to the team? And the guy says, oh, no, I'm part of this tour group over here. And you see people waving, and he says... Uh, uh, no, I'm just part of this tour group, and, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And, of course, the message of this thing is, I mean, the scientists are looking at it like, what? <laughs> and the sci- but the, the thing is, I guess, to stay smart, you know, stay at a Holiday Inn Express. That's kind of the message of the commercial. And, uh, again, I can't help, I almost feel like this guy with the coffee and his donut in his hand. Uh, I mean, I have no th- theological degrees, and I have no pastoral experience, but uh, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, <laughs> as the saying goes, anyway. But again, uh, I love God's Word, and uh, I pray together today we will just enjoy uh, just spending time in God's Word, His unerring Word. So uh, let me just start prayer. Lord, again, thank you for this time that we can be together, Lord, and I thank you for your Word, and I just pray we'll enjoy the treasures that we'll find in it today. Amen. All right, today, guys, we are uh, continuing our series on Mark, the Gospel of Mark. So if, uh, if you wish to turn to that, that would be great in your Bibles. It's Mark chapter 11 we're going to do today, but not the whole chapter. It's just the first 10 verses of Mark chapter 11. So again, it's Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And I'll read the whole selection, and then we'll kind of just dissect like each verse that we go through. So Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. I'll just read the whole selection. You guys can kind of quietly follow along. And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a cult tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus and put their garments on it, and he sat upon it. And many spread their garments in the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed 
is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And again, this, this passage of Scripture, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. A lot of times for Palm Sunday, you know, we'll read this, uh, passages like this. But again, we'll kind of just dissect through the verses and just see maybe we can kind of glean a little more about Mark chapter 11, again, verses 1 through 10. You know, we start off with verse 1. Uh, and again, if you're taking notes, I really kind of just held it to two main points. Uh, the first point we're going to find out is that Jesus knows. K-N-O-W-S. Jesus knows. Uh, in, in verse 1 of chapter 11, we see that Jesus, as they're approaching Jerusalem, he sends two of his disciples. Now, we aren't told who these disciples are. Uh, if we look in Matthew and Luke and John, their accounts also uh, don't mention who these disciples are. They're just two disciples. Again, maybe in glory we'll find out. Otherwise, we don't know. Uh, but that's not the main part of the story anyway. But anyway, it's two disciples that Jesus sends out. We go to verse 2. Uh, and Jesus describes in detail how these disciples, how they're going to get this donkey and what to say to the owner of this donkey. And this donkey is not just going to be any donkey either. This donkey is going to be a colt, a C-O-L-T. And then the colt will be probably about, I, mean, I, kinda, I try to, because I'm not a donkey person, I didn't know, so I had to look this up a little bit. But a donkey, like a colt, probably be about four years old or less. And this donkey was never ridden on. So again, there's specific details about this donkey that they're going to find. And then we go to verse 3 about the, what's going to happen here. Now the Lord was, I'm sure, as you read this, because in verse 3 it says, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say the Lord has need of it. And immediately he, or the owner, I guess, will send it back here. Now again, I can't, I can't imagine this, but I would think, and I would think everybody else would think this too, the Lord is directing this owner, or owner's, heart as well as though, like we didn't know about much about them. Again, these owners we don't know much about, but I'm sure the Lord was directing their hearts about giving this donkey over to the disciples. Matter of fact, in Luke uh, 19, verse 33, which I could turn to. Again, you can turn to it. You can just listen. That's fine. But Luke 19:33, in, in Luke's account, it says, And as they were untying the cult, its owners, so again, it could be more than one owner, uh, obviously said to them, Why are you untying the cult? Uh, and again, to me, again, now a donkey, now nowadays, it doesn't seem to, to recognize as much as like, what, what's so important about a donkey? But back in that culture, a donkey was a very important farm-working animal. So, I mean, I can kind of equ 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 equate that today. Uh, suppose, like, taking your car. I mean, that's something where if someone was taking your car, you're going to be like, what are you doing? You know, but here, I'm sure you can see that the Lord was directing this owner or owner's hearts again about, hey, these two people are going to come up, and they're going to say the Lord has need of it, and you will let them have this donkey, this special donkey. All right. And now we're already moving to verses 4, 5, and 6 of Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> okay, and they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And again, uh, sure enough, and some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. Now, again, we see that everything happens exactly as Jesus said. 
Because Jesus is God, he knows what's around the corner where we don't. Again, we have a very limited vision where once we pass that corner, Jesus knows already what's going to happen. Where we don't, we're kind of limited. I mean, every day that goes by, I mean, tomorrow I can say to you, well, yeah, I'm going to go to work and stuff like that. But again, we don't know the details. We don't know. Maybe Lord will, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I won't go to work tomorrow. I don't know. But again, the Lord knows exactly what's going to happen. We're all our tomorrows. Uh, so Jesus is never surprised at all. He is all-knowing. And again, you're saying, well, why would you say that? Well, again, because Jesus is God. And we find that out if we look in John chapter 1, uh, verses, let's see, John chapter 1, and we'll go to verse 1. Again, you can turn to it, or you can just write it down and look at it later. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And again, we jump down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And obviously this is talking about Jesus. And then we look in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10 also, Jesus is addressing the crowd. Uh, in John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And that's like, wow, those are fighting words right there to the Jewish people. Matter back in the following verse, the Jews are ready to stone them. That is just... I, I don't, and it's, it's a bad example, but that would be like me, me wearing, going to Yankee Stadium wearing Yankee Stinks on my shirt. I mean, that's just the kind of connotation where you're, you're looking for trouble. And, and just Jesus boldly, of course, he's right, absolutely right, the truth that Jesus and the Father are one. So again, we, we find out that Jesus knows, okay? Uh, and now, kind of we're getting to the second point of our, of our time here together. Jesus not only knows, Jesus fulfills. So what Jesus says, he does. And Jesus has fulfilled and continues to fulfill prophecies of him being the uh, one and only Messiah, and he continues to fulfill it time and time and time again. Uh, we look to verse 7 now of Mark. And in verse 7, we read, And they brought the cult to Jesus and put their garments on it, and he sat upon it. In John chapter 12, we read this. John chapter 12, verses 14 to 15. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So again, as exactly as Jesus foretolds, and this is, coming from the reference from Zechariah 9.9. So again, if we look at Zechariah 9.9, which again is in your Old Testament, this is what we'll come to. Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So here in Zechariah, this is written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus even came on the scene in bodily form, where again, 
prophecy is fulfilled. And it's continuing to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. We now go to verses chapter Mark and chapter 11. I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around, I'm sure, all over the place. So thanks for keeping up if you can. Uh, but again, any verses I say, you can always write them down and look at them later. Uh, we're going to verses 8 and 9 of Mark chapter 11. And many spread their garments in the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, again, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is taken from Psalm 118, verse 26. So again, it's interesting how that phrase is attributed to Jesus Christ. Uh, Psalm 18, let me see where that is here. We'll just say that, go over that real quick. Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So again, interesting. Again, this is written hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand, but here that, that phrase is given to Jesus as he enters Jerusalem from Psalm 118, verse 26. And now we come to verse 10 of Mark chapter 11. So Mark chapter 11. Blesses the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Now again, the crowds are crying out, you know, this kingdom of our, of our father David. Okay, what does that mean? Well, again, the Jewish people would look to King David as a father figure, uh, being he was the first Jerusalem king and then a valiant warrior. So again, this King David was, was looked upon as, again, as this fatherly figure. So uh, the, the blessing of the coming kingdom of Father David isn't out of line at all. It fits right in. If we look at Matthew 21.9, we get a kind of different perspective of what the crowd is saying. So in Matthew chapter 21, verse 9, we read this. And the multitudes going before him and those who followed after were crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So it seems some of the crowd were, were, were crying out about the kingdom of the father David. Uh, father uh, David, yes. And then the other people were crying out about Hosanna to the son of David, to Jesus Christ. And again, this crying out of the son of David, well, this is again his fulfillment of prophecy about Jesus being a descendant of the family line of King David. This is foretold hundreds of years before this would happen. The birth of Jesus is foretold again hundreds of years before it happens. And again, these verses I'm going to say, I'm sure you've heard these verses before, especially during Christmas time, but we'll kind of concentrate upon these verses. If we turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 reads this. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. We turn to Psalm 89, verses 3 to 4. Okay, Psalm 89, verses 3 to 4 says this, 
I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. And lastly, Micah 5, too, which again, I'm sure some of you folks are familiar with this. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Again, referring to Jesus' birthplace. And again, with verse 10, we read this word, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Again, that word Hosanna even is an exclamation of joy, adoration, and praise to the Lord. So it's a special meaning to that word, Hosanna. So again, as we kind of get to near the end of our time here together, a uh, couple of becauses. Because he knows, because Jesus knows all things, he knows us and loves us deeply. He knows how it feels to grieve the loss of a loved one, to be betrayed, to be ridiculed, to be hungry. We look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, which kind of uh, definitely touches on this. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. And again, come to John 3.16, as far as with his love for us. And again, a lot of you have memorized, I'm sure, this verse as in childhood. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So again, because he knows, he knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and he loves us deeply. And because he fulfills and continues to fulfill prophecy about himself, he alone is worthy of our worship and praise. We go to Revelation, last book of the Bible, Revelation chapters, well, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, I'm going to read. And again, a little backdrop of this chapter 5. The, the human author, the Apostle John, uh, is writing this down as this amazing vision that God is giving him in heaven. And this is what John is saying. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And I began to weep greatly. This is John talking. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. So it says how the exalted, the, the slain Lord Jesus Christ, he alone is worthy to open this book of judgments. So again, we find out that Jesus knows and he fulfills. Uh, and again, I'm just going to end that in prayer. And again, as we were praying, just uh, let's think about those things that Jesus knows and Jesus fulfills. Lord, thank you for this time that we can be together. 
in your word, Lord. And I pray that this uh, time would be an encouragement for us, Lord, as we see that you know all things, Lord, and that you are never surprised when trials come, Lord, when uh, different situations come up that we have absolutely no control of. Thank you that you're always in control and that you love us deeply, Lord, more than we can ever know. And Lord, I pray for not only those of us who do know you, Lord, Lord, there may be some here in this room, maybe some live streaming right now that don't know you, Lord. And I pray that you would tug at their hearts, Lord. And I pray that, really, it's no magical words, but they would just say, come to, coming to you and just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I'm just going to give all my sins to you. And I want to ask you to come into my heart and take my whole life. Because he alone is worthy to have all our lives. In your precious name, amen. Amen.